podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. So hello there and welcome to a brand new episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast, a show where we review all of the latest news and gossip in the F1 world and of course give our two cents on all the big talking points as well for your viewing and listening pleasure depending on the platform that you watch us or listen to us on. As always my name is Adam Burns, I am your host for this episode and joining me once again my co-host Mr Courtney Pine. Courtney how are you doing this week, are you okay? Yeah hello everyone, um this pre-season stuff is really coming along thick and fast. Uh, the car announcements are coming. And there's it's quite a cluster, so um, there's going to be plenty of DNF1 content for you guys to look forward to. Absolutely. As we said, we are going to be covering each and every car that breaks cover in pre-season to give us our thoughts on the car, how they look livery-wise, any noticeable changes that we can find on the cars compared to last season. As I said before, 2021 is going to be much more of an important year than people would give it credit for. And of course, those will have to wait and see how it pans out. But it certainly is going to be very, very exciting. And as we said before, teams are breaking cover thick and fast. We'll be covering each and every single one in its own episode. And tonight's episode is the turn of Alpha Tauri, the second team to break cover and unveil its new challenger for 2021, the AT02. First things first, Courtney. What do you think of the car? What do you think of the livery? Do you like the new look? I preferred last year's car, I'm going to be honest. Um, you know, particularly the livery. I think it stood out. Um, I'm intrigued to know how many dark blue cars are going to be this season. I looked on, like, so Alpine could be dark blue. Williams could be dark blue. You've already got Red Bull. So you could have, like, potentially four dark blue cars. I think these teams need to learn how to mix it up a bit. <laughs> well, it remains to be seen what Williams do with the rumours surrounding uh, them possibly signing a deal with title sponsors BWT that obviously were with Racing Point last season. Um, we'll have to wait and see how that pans out. Of course, they did tease uh, a bit of a shakedown run of their new car at Silverstone, although we didn't get much glimpses. But judging by the outfits the drivers are wearing, it possibly could be dark blue or at least mm. a return to its older liveries of about five or six years ago, which it's not a bad thing. I'll, I'll be honest with you, I'm not really a fan of seeing all white Williams cars. And to be honest, I think Alpha Tauri's car was so good last year on the eyes. It just made everyone completely forget about the Williams one design was. But nonetheless, um, I, I agree with you. I, I was a big fan of last year's livery. Um, I looked at this year's car and the livery of this car is meant to reflect the Alpha Tauri brand, the fashion mm. brand, a lot more this season, going to its more traditional navy being the dominant colour. And I tell you what, for me, you know, you know where it was last year. Um, I completely purred over the look of that car. Incidentally, that's another statement. Incidentally, this is actually a, a one year anniversary that we're recording from the first episode that went out. So uh, happy anniversary oh. to us at DNF1. Almost, <laughs> forgot, almost forgot about that. But uh, yeah, so everyone that's checked out an episode of this uh, podcast over the last year thank you so much and uh, hopefully many more years to come of this great show but um yeah with the Alpha Tauri last year it was a really great car on the eyes um, it was also very good on the track I do like the livery not as much as I did last year but it works you know it's not simply just an inversion of the colors where they've just swapped them um you know yeah. they have done something with the design um 
but it does look nice. I, I, you know, I'm not a massive fan of it compared to last season. It did take a while for it to grow on me. I was looking through pictures today, comparing the two cars, obviously, for some technical, um, you know, some technical evidence of changes that we've seen for 2021. But, you know, the livery looks good. I don't think it's going to be the best looking car this season. It was certainly one of the best last season. Um, but I will say it, it does look good on the ice. Not a bad looking car. So um, I hope it's not one that's going to be forgotten about as other teams break cover. Um, that can often, that can happen quite often, especially after Mercedes change their livery to an all black one, which they will most likely run again this season. Um, but yeah, overall, I think good job on the design. And it looks like this is going to be a very good year for Alpha Tauri. Now, in terms of the technical aspect, and this is for some people perhaps the boring part where, you know, they're not really technical experts or technical lovers of Formula One, which is absolutely fine. You know, we all have our own admirations for Formula One and certain elements of it are more appealing than others. But when I was studying this car and looking at the photos and looking for some, uh, you know, facets of this car that really stood out for me, stuff that had changed from last year, I've got to say, Courtney, this car... And a lot of people will call the Avatarius the, the, the Toro Rosso like a Red Bull light or a Red Bull clone. But I tell you what, this car is definitely breaking that stigma for Alpha Tauri. This is probably the first uh, Alpha Tauri car or Toro Rosso car, if you like, from before that really is trying to break away from being a Red Bull clone. Um, and, That's and I'm intriguing. Yeah, very much so. And I think this is something that they've been trying to do for a few years now. But this is the first time that I really feel convinced that this car is now stepping away from being just a Red Bull Junior. Of course, they're going to continue to run it as a Red Bull Junior team, um, given the support, the, uh, the technical partnership with Red Bull, and also, you know, the drivers that they put into their car and the Red Bull program. But the car itself, AlphaTauri, definitely going their own way with this concept, um, you know, in contrast to the tradition of being a Red Bull Junior team. Um, was there anything in particular that you noticed on the car, Courtney, that, uh, that really stood out for you in terms of the technical side? I think it's quite interesting how, what's probably the best way to describe this? Um, I'm going to say in a Courtney Parway, how ballsy, how ballsy the, the Honda integration into, into the car itself, because that does give an indication that there's an air of confidence around Honda. And if that's the case, that has big implications for the championship. And it's quite interesting, you know, the, how... McLaren and Alpha Tauri have brought their cars out before Mercedes and um, Red Bull. So we're kind of getting slight indicators of how these engines are behaving or what we could expect from these teams, even for the main teams have like let their cars uh, reveal their cars. So mm. is this an early indicator that they, they could be, you know, there's an air of confidence around um, the Honda engines. Yeah. And, and second your point, Adam, the fact that they're trying something a little bit different from Red Bull. I mean, they are probably known as the biggest B team in Formula One. And obviously they're going to be keeping a lot of the Red Bull components because they're one of the best, they're one of the best design cars on the grid. You can't blame them for doing that. But the fact that they're going to try something different, could this be an example of a team trying to luck for 2022, given that there might be loopholes available for teams to push themselves up the grid? Who knows? Well, it's quite possible. I mean, we can expand on this and sort of getting to why we think that this is no longer a Red Bull clone, or at least in the conventional sense compared to previous years. And you mentioned the Honda engine. Um, you know, Honda have very much gone above and beyond with their approach this season. Of course, their last year 
in Formula One before they leave as an engine supplier and basically with the deal that they struck with Red Bull, pass over all of the engine technologies and everything else for Red Bull to manage in-house. And of course, AlphaTauri are going to benefit from this because it means that their car concept, although will change a lot in 2022, the ultimate um, or sort of the traditional values that they have or concepts or philosophies, if you like, that they have with uh, the car design will remain um, and they won't have to accommodate a brand new engine for this. They can just stick with what they've got. So in my mind, you know, this is a really good thing for them. Um, the rear end of the car, as I said, a lot of good things on it that we saw from the photos. Uh, this was the first photo that we saw of the car, the rear end of the car showing the diffuser and some of the fences of the diffuser that have been slashed by about 50 millimeters. So they're a lot shorter than they were. And uh, we didn't see that on the McLaren. We did on the AlphaTauri, which is quite cool. This is something all cars are going to have this year. So this isn't something like, oh, my God, this is brand new. Like, is this a revolutionary design? It's not. Everybody's going to be running uh, with that concept. And um, the rear end of the car, as I said, it's tighter. And it's a theme that we're going to be using a lot with all these cars. The, they should have a tighter package at the rear end, being the third year of development with these current cars, they should be. And it just shows they understand the nuances of the Honda power unit a lot better now and the gearbox, of course. Um, Honda, very aggressive with their, their design, as I've already mentioned. And they're very optimistic about how good this power unit is. They've gone on record in saying that they believe that they've developed a power unit now that can challenge any other power unit on the grid. And in retrospect, it's Mercedes that is the target. They're the benchmark. Exactly. And if they're going to allow Max Verstappen in particular at Red Bull to have a chance at the championship, they've got to provide him with an engine capable of doing so. Um, but it's a really good design car at the rear end. Um, you know, the barge walls looks good. As, as I mentioned already, there's a few changes there to accommodate on the floor, uh, to mitigate airflow leakages on the floor. There's some horizontal veins at the front of uh, obviously the pictures that are going around at the top, you'll be able to see one of them. You'll see these horizontal veins look like little slots um, underneath the vertical mount of the barge board. And basically what they're going to be there to do is make the front edge of the floor work harder, the underfloor of the car, which is most of the downforce is really created in that area. And it's going to really mitigate the effects of airflow leakages that are going to come out from the rear end of the floor as a result of the floor being trimmed at the rear end. So this is kind of a nice new innovation that AlphaTauri have introduced. I don't think I saw anything like that on the McLaren, although there might be some changes that we'll see when testing comes around and some of the other teams might adopt something similar. But that's a really nice feature. Um, while we're talking about the rear end of the car, what really surprised me of AlphaTauri, and this is kind of the basis of why I think this is no longer a Red Bull clone, is under the new regulations, um, all teams that use standard part listed parts from uh, their supplier teams last season were allowed to get free upgrades to 2020 listed parts without spending tokens on them, which is so important because it means they can upgrade the car without costing development tokens, which they yeah. can use elsewhere. Naturally, uh, AlphaTauri were running uh, uh, 2019, I should say, Red Bull, uh, the Red Bull restructure um, last season. They had the option to upgrade to 2020, but they decided not to, which is really, really interesting. And we're going to get into this when we talk about the front of the car, but it just shows that clearly they do not feel that the 2020 Red Bull rear end concept suits their car, or at least the concept that they're going down, which in a way doesn't necessarily suggest that, that it's bad. I mean, Red Bull had issues with it at the start of the season, which of course they got on top of, but AlphaTauri would get the latest version of that. But as, we'll, as you'll see when we talk about the front end of the car, 
it really does show some some changes. Subtle they may be, but they really do play a part in explaining why AlphaTauri decided to go their own way with the Red Bull concept. And it's quite exciting to see. I mean, Courtney, for the benefit of some of the younger fans who perhaps have not followed the AlphaTauri Toro Rosso story since the mid-2000s when they first joined Formula One, um, can you explain how significant this could be for AlphaTauri's future? Because until now, they've always been in the bottom half of the, te- the league in terms of Formula One pecking mm. order. They've never finished higher than sixth. So this could be a huge step forward for them if they get this right. Yeah, of course. As I said at the start, they've always been a B team. They were probably the first B team that we have actually seen on Formula One, and it wasn't even subtle. You know, first of all, with um, the car design, even with junior mechanics, and mainly with the drivers, you know, that kind of that kind of setup sort of set the tone for other teams because Red Bull have been doing this for years. You know, the kind of things that we're seeing now with, you know, with, with parts and drivers that we see with uh, Ferrari and Mercedes, this has been happening at Red Bull for years. You know, you look back as far back as, I think the first real talented driver to come from um, Toro Rosso at the time to Red Bull was Sebastian Vettel. And there's been a conveyor belt since. If you have a look at Daniel Ricciardo, Max Verstappen, uh, Pierre Gasly, Alex Albon, you know, they were very much seen as like the Academy of Red Bull, shall we say. And, um, you know, and I feel like I'm repeating myself a bit. I just find it really intriguing. It's, it's the timing of these changes. A year before these big regulation changes, you know, there's, there's one thing having a business agreement with, with another team. But maybe there are some people at the very top of Alpha Tower that are, are fed up with just being a B team, and maybe they have lofty ambitions. Hmm. So, you know, let's 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 you know let's let's try and uh, be optimistic for them. This could be yeah, this could be a turning point. You never know. Hmm. It is very interesting to see what's going to happen with Alpha Tower. I mean, as I said, the last couple of years they've really tried to change their concept on how they build their cars. It's very much been. Um, old blueprints and schematics from Red Bull from previous seasons. And they basically just take that and build a car based on that. And, you know, they try to develop to a degree, but of course the budget constraints that they have compared to their senior team, et cetera, et cetera, that of course is being mitigated this season by the new cost cap. So they'll be on an equal playing field with added investment required to sort of meet, uh, to raise them to that level, whereas Red Bull will have to cut costs to stay down. So it's really going to reel these bigger teams in. And this will allow a team like AlphaTauri to kind of step out of Red Bull's shadow, if you like. And I don't, I don't think seriously that AlphaTauri are going to suddenly be better than Red Bull on a race-by-race no, race no, basis. No. <laughs> but this is the sort of, I think for a long time, fans have been saying that, or perhaps been frustrated that Red Bull basically have uh, they're already better than one team on the grid. They already have a team in yeah. reserve to sort of back them up. Now this team is not trying to snap at their heels, but stepping away from that proverbial shadow of Red Bull ahead of them and just like, you know, Red Bull light and try and move forward in their own way. So I'm really excited to see how this goes. I mean, looking at the front of the car as well, because we should mention the front of the car, because this is the area where AlphaTauri have spent their development tokens. They're only allowed two for this season. And um, in terms of the mechanical elements and everything else. And, Jody Eggington, the technical director at AlphaTauri, mentioned that, you know, they've designed a brand new nose. It's a lot slimmer than last year's one. It's, you know, it might be subtle on the eye, but, the, you know, it's slimmer, which is going to be better, given that most of the teams now have been heavily influenced by the Mercedes approach of having a slim nose. You saw the McLaren one the other day, um, you know, that a very slim nose, very much a Mercedes-like nose. 
Uh, Racing Point had it last year, similar. Williams will probably go down that route as well, I imagine, to a degree. Um, and Aston Martin will probably adopt something similar as well because it's a racing point from last year. Aston Martin obviously is just rebranding it. Let's not expect a yeah. whole brand new car, um, but we'll see that next week when that gets unveiled. But, um, you know, so they've got a new front nose. I'm surprised they didn't go slimmer like Red Bull have done, but, you know, because I think it would suit their concept. But as I said, you know, Franz Toss is, knows what he's doing as team principal and they have much better designers than me. You know, I'm just a fan. That's, you know, so... They obviously know what they're doing. The one area of concern I had for them, you know, um, with on that part of the car is the front wing mounts, uh, the flaps mounts, if you like. Now, that was a theme last season mentioning the flaps. Um, But they're still quite wide. They haven't really narrowed those in. Now, from what I understand, and if there are any expert aerodynamicists on this that, you know, quote me if I'm wrong on this, but I believe that they've kept that concept of having wider mounted flaps on the front wing to improve the stability that will come with having a slimmer nose to manage the airflow more efficiently. And the front end of the AlphaTauri last year did struggle on occasion compared to perhaps some of the other cars in the midfield. And, um, you know, it was quite comfortable at the rear, but it never really was able to just chuck in into a corner at speed like some of his other teams. So I feel like they're still going to give up a little bit of performance in that area because mm. obviously the airflow of the underfloor and where that transitions to the barge walls etc that's not going to be as as strong performance wise as it would do with a slimmer nose but um i just feel that that's going to improve the stability which will allow them to be more consistent which is obviously important i think you know i'd much rather have a car underneath me that was more consistent than one that was really quick yes. one lap and really slow the other one because you just got no confidence and Pierre Gasly last season was very confident at times and he was able to get the absolute maximum out of the car. And I think having that level of consistency and stability with the front end will allow him to continue to do so, even though he may not have the peak levels of performance some of his midfield rivals probably will do by comparison. Yeah, you beat me too. Um, you beat me too with the point about consistency. You know, that was probably their biggest drawback last season. Had some great moments, notably at Monza, but they were they had they had several great races at least you know and for a team that size they definitely uh punched above their weight but you're right it was the inconsistency that really cost them you know considering that the amount of points that have picked up from that from that winner some of the higher finishes it was the consistency that um that really bogged them down so maybe maybe yeah maybe they've looked into it and are probably hoping for a bit more of a stable car hmm. and sort of get accumulate the points in that way you know as you've already stated you miss, they might miss out on that peak performance, but maybe that consistency could help them get further up in the constructors. Absolutely. And um, as you mentioned already, um, that that's going to be the key factor for AlphaTauri. Um, I mean, the suspension as well has changed a little bit. They've got some new mounted pickup parts on there as well on the wishbone areas, which is quite subtle, but obviously makes a difference. Um, so the vertical mounts on the barge, on the side pods has changed as well. Only a little bit, but it's not really attached now. It sort of um, comes through and it's sort of twisted a little bit on the mount. So as I said, subtle differences, but overall the front of the car has very much been revised in key areas, as I mentioned. Um, and, and this is only going to pay dividends towards the rear end of the car. A lot of it has gone towards trying to mitigate downforce being lost at the rear end of the car with some of the regulation changes. And as I said, uh, Jody Eggington, believes that the level of performance that they will have um, from the first race is around about 
where they were midway through 2020, which is still very, very quick. Exactly. You know, so that's that's not a bad barometer if that's their target. And of course, McLaren were hoping for something similar. That's not a bad way to go in terms of where the car is going to be. So hopefully they will be able to achieve that. Um, looking at the overall objectives for AlphaTauri this season, traditionally, Franz Tost is quite open about quantifying where he believes the team can be in previous seasons. And quite oftenly, he's notorious for overestimating what AlphaTauri end up going to achieve. Last season, he wanted a top five finish uh, and he put that down to a lack of consistency um, as to why they didn't achieve that. They, you know, they were in the midfield very much so at a lot of races. Of course, they won at Monza with Pierre Gasly. Let's not forget that. And um, ultimately, though, there were times when they were equally brilliant and there were times when they were not so good. And I think it's the lack of consistency that really, really paid against them. Um, you know, and of course, Danny Kvyat did well at parts, but we only saw the best of Danny Kvyat towards the end after he'd already learned yeah, that he was going to lose his FMC. So with all that in mind, Courtney, of course, everyone's going to be making changes. We've seen already at McLaren, the big changes they've had to make with their car, given the new Mercedes engine and gearbox as well. But realistically speaking, do you think AlphaTauri can break further into the midfield, climb up that ladder a bit? Or do you feel that perhaps compared to their rivals, they're more than likely going to be staying where they are in seventh place? Yeah, I've personally seen them being as midfield as midfield can be. They're going to be, they're going to be in the, the F1 equator. That's where mm. I see them. I, I, see, I see too many positives from teams like McLaren and um, Aston Martin. And sorry for repeating myself again to those who listen repeatedly. I've been saying this a lot about Ferrari. Ferrari are such an unknown mm. that this could potentially affect the positions of three teams. Because at this point, I expect the Ferrari customer teams to be towards the bottom. And Ferrari, Ferrari could be anywhere from sixth up to second or, yeah. or third. You know, that's, that, that's, that's how crazy and unknown, you know, the situation is with Ferrari. So I think even if Honda are in a good place, I, I, just, I just see that Ferrari, Aston Martin and McLaren battling out for third, fourth and fifth. And I, I just can't see AlphaTauri being close enough given what those teams already have. Yeah, I think you mentioned you put this out on Instagram. You asked um, our followers where they felt AlphaTauri were going mm. to finish in the Constructors' Championship. What was the general consensus? What did our followers uh, think in terms of response? So, yeah, so I've got a couple of people um, responding. Um, I'm really awful with names again, so I apologise. So, um, Sam Jesse Lindbergh, Lissenberg, I hope I got it right, um, he predicts that they'll finish fifth. So mm. he has um, he has high hopes for Alpha Tauri um, and expects the drivers to finish P11 and P12 in the drivers' championship. Uh, mm. uh, Yuki Sonoda's Yuki Sonoda's the probably the most exciting aspect, I'd say, of um, the Alpha Tauri. How is he going to get on? The, the the Japanese really do love Formula One. Those who don't know, they love Formula One. So having a Japanese driver who has a lot of potential, it, it's only good for the sport. Um, mm. was, was you going to ask, Rick, expect, did he elaborate who's finishing the where? Because he didn't. Yeah, know. that's kind of where I was going with. Um, I think it, the, I think the assumption, I, I, when you think about Alpha Tower, I think the assumption is that Gasly is always going to be the top driver because he performed so well last season. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a fair point. I, I think hearing that, I understand what they mean. If there was, mm. I think 
seventh place, I, I feel that that's where they're going to be. If there's one yeah. team, I think that Alpha Tauri can seriously target and beat for next season in that midfield. Alpine surely yes, has to be the one, agreed, I think. And and primarily that's because, of course, it will be interesting to see what Alpine do with the new car. Obviously, Renault did try to adopt a lot of Mercedes-type uh, aerobics, which did work very well for them towards the second half of the season. But after losing Daniel Ricciardo, we don't know how fast Fernando is going to be. Is it going to be the Fernando that left Formula One? Or is it going to be like what Michael Schumacher did when he returned? Um, you know, Fernando's still incredibly fast. But yeah. I know there is a peak in F1 driver's performance and he probably reached that in his late Ferrari days um, in the early 2010s. And of course, he was still maintained that to a degree at McLaren, um, you know, up to the point when he retired the first time. It's going to be so hard to tell. And of course, Esteban Ocon, a big year for him as well, what he's going to be able to do in the Alpine as well. So that would be the team I would say AlphaTauri need to target. I think sixth place is realistic. I just feel that, you know, Aston Martin in particular, especially with Sebastian Vettel, it's going to be a really good season for them, I think. McLaren look good. They look like they've accommodated that Mercedes engine very well, and that's only going to be a huge plus for them. And yes, Ferrari are a big unknown, but I'm quietly confident, and maybe there's a hint of bias being a Ferrari fan in this, but I'm quietly confident that Ferrari only have to improve certain facets of the car, which are very much within reach for them. The engine being a big one, to put them not just at further up in the midfield, but at the very front of it, perhaps maybe nipping at the heels of Red Bull again, depending on what they do. So realistically speaking, I think AlphaTauri, um, and let's not forget, of course, AlphaTauri will have the benefit of working with Red Bull in the wind tunnel this season. And ironically, we'll get to use it more than Red Bull, owing to the new ATR regulations on development time, at least for the first half of 2020, mm. 2021, because obviously that sliding scale with Red Bull higher up in the championship, they will have less time to use it for MFD and CFD runs, whereas AlphaTauri will get a lot more use out of it. So it'd be quite interesting to see how that goes. But I imagine the synergy will still exist as it always did, despite what AlphaTauri are trying to achieve. But um, you, you mentioned the driver partnership. They should really yeah. get into that now, because this is something that the fans will be interested to see. Now, we'll start with Pierre Gasly being... The team leader now, outright team leader. I, I think this is probably the first season, perhaps last season to a degree, but this one definitely, where Pierre Gasly will really feel like the team leader in this team. We mentioned in the last episode, Lando Norris needing to take more of a leadership role. Pierre Gasly, regardless of what his future holds from in 2022, which at the moment seems out of his hands at this point in time, he really needs to try and, in the nicest way possible, step up now and really be the de facto team leader in this Alpha Tauri team. And press on from an incredible season last year, which not only culminated in so many good things from from a character perspective, but also helped him achieve his first win at Monza. Yeah, I mean, you're right. But I don't know. I think given the the Honda partnership and with Yuki Tsunoda, this could be a little bit awkward. I mean, if, if it all comes down to when you, whenever you have a rookie come in, We've seen in the past, you know, I think the one, the one we see the most is 2007 with um, Alonso and Lewis. If Yuki Tsunoda starts well, and, and we can't rule this out completely, he actually done a really good job in F2. He, he if, I, if I remember rightly, won Rookie of the Year, didn't he? Yes. Well, I mean, yeah, by a factor of finishing higher than the rest, yeah. But it was thoroughly well-deserved. He, he was outstanding in that season. 
you know, and if he and if he starts well, I, I have faith in Gasly, like most people, you know, and I, I agree with you. I reckon this could be his last season, you know. So it's important for Gasly. I think this all comes down to the start with this with this partnership. Gasly needs to have a solid start, and you're right, really make himself known as the team leader because that's only going to do his reputation within the sport and help him get bigger drives in the future. But if he starts sluggish, and Yuki Tsunoda starts well. The, the pressure will be coming from the guys of Honda. As I've already said, there's going to be such a fierce backing from him from Japan. Japanese fans are super fans. We've seen it with Japanese people. They really do get behind their people. So there will be pressure. There'll be a little bit of pressure there if, if you can know the start. So, yeah, Gasly, this is a massive season for him. There's some drivers, you look at Bottas, for example. I look at Gasly. This is a massive season for his career. A massive season for his career. Yeah, I mean, the motivation for Gasly is to. I mean, as I said, we're assuming a lot here, thinking that Gasly's not going to stay at Alvatari, but I don't think it's his choice to make. I think this is something Red Bull will eventually force to try and shift him on, so they can get a Red Bull Junior in that car that they might consider. It might be, you know, they might put Alex Albon back in that car next year. We'll have to wait and see how his progress goes. But um, you know, seeing the chips where they may lie. I think Pierre Gasly may have to just go, you know, be at a point in his mind where he just has to do the best that he can and hope that that's enough to convince another team to give him a seat in Formula One. Because this is a driver that's been going from strength to strength. He's had a lot thrown at him in the last couple of years and he's come out of it incredibly stronger than he was. And it's a testament to his character. And that, to me, is a commodity. If I was an F1 team owner, that's the sort of driver I'd want in my car. And he's shown the pace to boot. So yes. if we can have that consistency to his game and let's see how the Honda engine works for AlphaTauri now, the aero parts, how they work, this could be a big season for Pierre. And I really hope he does well. In terms of Yuki Tsunoda, this is a really exciting prospect. As I said, mm-hmm. you've mentioned already, Courtney, how good he was in F2. Three race wins, four pole positions last year. Only Callum Eilock got more pole positions than Yuki Tsunoda did, all in his rookie season. And towards the tail end of last season, he really was the best driver. Um, you know, if, this, if the season lasted a few more rounds, he really would have been a serious threat to Mick Schumacher and Callum Eilock for the F2 championship. You know, Yuki was phenomenally good. And... I'm really excited to see what this kid can do. You know, I think he's been very much an unknown. He came into F2 last year. Um, not much was probably expected. They were probably expecting him to do well this season um, and see how he goes in Formula One the year afterwards. But no, he's really impressed very, very quick. Um, his qualifying pace is outstanding. And I think that is going to be a huge factor if he can transfer qualifying performance into Formula One especially with these current cars, that is going to hugely play in his favour. And this is something Pierre Gasly did last year, really upped his qualifying performance, and that really helped him in a lot of races and ultimately allowed him to win one. Um, I'd be amazed if something like that happens again, as beautiful that moment was, and as much as we love seeing that in Formula One, we'll have to wait and see how it transpires. Overall, I think AlphaTauri got a very solid lineup, and especially in Yuki Tsunoda, a very young, exciting prospect. Probably the driver that will do best out of the three rookies that we've got this season, Mick Schumacher and Mazepin in the Huss. With respect to them, I think Mick Schumacher is a more complete driver than the other two. But the car and the equipment that Yuki has will be further, much superior to the Huss, despite what Ferrari did with their engine upgrades. That remains to be seen. Um, so a lot of things, a lot of positives for AlphaTauri, and I think this is going to be a good year for them. But if I'm brutally honest, 
I think the best that they can achieve is perhaps beat Alpine. I think that is the realistic target and perhaps prevent yeah. the likes of Williams and possibly Alfa Romeo and Haas from trying to get at their snap at their heels, um, depending on what they do this season as well. Uh, what about you, Courtney? Where do you think Alfa Tauri will ultimately end up in 2021? Yeah, as, as, as I've already said, I can see them being in and around the area of a proper midfield team. But yeah, the unknown is Williams. You know, it really, you know, they've they've had the takeover. I think George Russell would have learned a lot from his short time driving with Mercedes, and that no doubt would have helped Williams with their development. Williams are one of the unknowns this season. I've already said about Ferrari. Williams, are, Williams are so I'd say Alpine are probably who they they should be keeping an eye on in terms of going upwards. But I think they need to be looking at their rear mirrors a lot of these Williams because they could be a threat to them. Mm, absolutely. I, th- I think one of the key factors I think we should end on, um, ultimately why Alpha Tauri have gone the route of not taking the 2020 listed parts and obviously it affects them in a positive way. But if you bear in mind that the limited development that's going to be allowed for some teams in terms of mechanical parts, some of the suppliers seems like Ferrari, Mercedes and Red Bull in particular, um, you know, their, their customer teams obviously ran with mechanical parts that were a year older. So obviously they weren't as far, far developed with these new regulations as the others were. And now that there's such limited development on those mechanical parts, these supply teams aren't really going to be able to get proper 2021 parts, or at least from most of the car. So those customer teams that will be allowed to freely upgrade their parts to be almost on the same level in terms of the mechanical aspect of their supply teams, that's really going to bunch the pack up. I don't know if people have realised the significance of that, because that will be a big thing. It's kind of, you know, we, we didn't talk about listed parts much last season. The most of it was around the controversy re, uh, regarding Racing Point and their brake ducts, obviously copying the Mercedes w, uh, W10. And this season, we're going to see a lot more similarities between these cars from a mechanical perspective because of this rule with the listed parts. So we will see the bigger teams not being able to hold on to that annual advantage that they normally have. Um, and it will be similar to how it was with the engines that all be running most of the time the same car underneath. So this is something that's really going to be exciting to watch to really close the gap up. And Alvatar have decided not to take the benefit of that, at least from the rear end of the car. But given the direction of where they've gone with their concept, I can understand why that is. To move away, move out of the Red Bull shadow, if you like, to a degree, and really take that risk that I think they need to if they're going to be considered a legitimate independent team rather than just a Red Bull B team. And I think it will work in their favour. Yeah, I mean, if you have, if you have a look at the um, the actual presentation of the car this morning, it was, it, let's, let's just say it's probably um, quite low-key. Oh, yeah, but maybe very, that's yeah. maybe maybe that's the approach they have in mind. Maybe they want to stay underneath the radar and be one of the uh, dark horses of this it, season. But yeah, yeah, they could. They they're an intriguing one, as I've already said. They they could be looking up or they could be looking down. And I, I I can't quite predict where they're going to be this season. Yeah, as I said, I, I still think they're going to be around sixth or seventh this season, but they're definitely going to be a factor in the midfield. Absolutely. So definitely not one to be underestimated. Um, yeah, so I think that's that's a good way to wrap this up. But the next one that we'll be doing is on the 22nd. That'll be Alfa Romeo. And of course, Red Bull have announced on the 23rd that they will be unveiling the RB16. Um, very much a sweet 16 for Red Bull. We are going to cover that on the 24th because um, 
not able to record that episode on the 23rd, but the next one will be Alfa Romeo. So a busy week for us next week. And of course, we've also, if you haven't checked out our social media, we've advertised a new video that we're going to be releasing for this season where we introduce all the teams and drivers and the competition for 2021 and why we think this could be the best season yet. But until then, guys, make sure to like the video if you enjoyed it, subscribe to the YouTube channel. And of course, if you listen to our podcast on all major podcasting platforms, thank you so much. Don't forget to follow us on those as well. And of course, don't forget to follow us on social media as well. The uh, handles are below if you're watching this on YouTube. And all that's left to say is, guys, stay safe. Thank you for tuning in. And we'll see you in the next episode the DNF1 F1 podcast. See you soon. Podcast Network.